Hey y'all, we're back with another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And today, instead of us having our regular discussion topic, we never talked about this being our one-year anniversary, our one-year anniversary passing. So I wanted to check in with Donika and see how are you feeling about our one year? Um, you know, I feel... I feel good. I feel great. Uh, actually, it doesn't feel like a year, at least for me. And I know a lot of it has to do with just having an awesome co-host, but also just like the pandemic and every a lot of the things that we were going to do just kind of having to be um, diminished. Uh, and so I feel really good, but I'm also like, I'm, I'm ready for some more creative ideas to happen to figure out how we can continue growing the podcast in different ways. But yeah, I'm, I mean, Hey, it's a, it's a year. A lot happens in a year and we literally released episodes for an entire year on a podcast, which is awesome. What about you, Myra? What you feel about I one feel year? good too. I think my favorite parts were the in-person circles. Um, just because of both of them, we, Thought we had a whole little plan going. And then, you know, when you have different groups of people, different things happen. So our Inglewood circle versus our, like, San Diego circle was so different. But like I said, at the Inglewood circle, it was like a coming back home type of thing. It was right where I grew up. So I really enjoyed that. That stands out for me a lot. And I remember when we dropped, like, our first official episode, people, like, loved it. Um, and people still stream it. Because I always notice, like, the um, the listeners going up. So. I feel pretty good about that. I'm excited for us to continue. So bigger things to come. So y'all, today we have a special guest. Um, Our guest is Isaac John Paul. He's a man of many talents. He's best known for setting a world record of 2.17 meters in the men's high jump T13 event at the 2017 World Para-Athletic Championship held in London. He is also a bronze medalist in the men's long jump. Outside of the track world, he enjoys motivating and speaking to kids, motivational speaking overall, um, oftentimes at SDSU. That's pretty cool. And spending time with friends and family and his most recent love of writing various fiction books. Isaac can be described as caring, intuitive, inquisitive, and a life coach you never knew you needed. So I want to give Isaac a chance to tell us a little bit more about himself and how he found an interest in track. So Isaac. There you go. Got to put on my, my radio voice on real quick. Hold on. <clears throat> wow, that was that was such a great introduction. Thank you so much, uh, Myra and Danica, for allowing me to share my story, a piece of me on your platform. I greatly appreciate it. Um, man, you said a lot. I mean, I don't know what else I need to say. You said pretty much everything. What are your hobbies? Are there things you enjoy? Uh, of course, of course. Well, like she said, my name is Isaac John Paul. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, moved out here to San Diego around like 2017, joined the Paralympics. And for those who don't know what the Paralympics are, it's pretty much the Olympics for people with disabilities. And my disability is visually impaired. I'm legally blind. At the age of two, I was diagnosed with juvenile retinoschisis, which is an eye condition where the retinas are detached from the back of the eye, which is limiting peripheral vision, central vision, uh, everything, everything you could imagine. Uh, my my eyes are pretty much affected by. 
But for the most part, you know, I navigate the world through my lens. And, um, you know, I just live my life one day at a time. How did you find your interest in track, though? I uh, that, too. Okay, well, yeah, that, it's an interesting story. So my whole life I played basketball. Grew up in a basketball family. My favorite basketball player is my mom, Rosemary Turner, also known as Rosemary John Paul. But um, grew up watching her. You know, I, I, I just found a love for basketball. And through high school, I wasn't able to play basketball anymore for unknown circumstances. And then one day I decided to try out for the track team my senior year of high school and uh, found out that I was really good at it. And at the end of the first practice, my coach told me if I don't stay with track, he's going to beat me up. So he, he being this big football player coach and me being this scrawny big head, you know, 110-pound uh, soaking wet little black kid with glasses, I just immediately said, okay, you got it, boss. So um, I started track then, was able to get a scholarship to Lewis University, which is the same university my mom uh, graduated from and also is a Hall of Famer in basketball, uh, five-time All-American, uh, national champion wow. in the high jump. And now I'm pursuing my Olympic and Paralympic uh, career in track and field. Nice. Okay. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that and like really explaining um, like your experiences. I feel like I just learned more about you, but also learn more just even about um, like the Paralympics and just in general because yeah, I, I feel like that we don't talk about the Paralympics um, as much as we should. Nice. Most definitely. Um, yeah, and his bio is amazing. <laughs> like, oh. <Not> for me. <laughs> um, so, Isaac, tell us a little bit about your life during quarantine. Oh, uh, during quarantine? Well, during quarantine, right? So, my whole life, I seen myself to be just this athlete. And, um, you know, that's what I lived up to do. Like, I always wanted to be this professional basketball player. And it wasn't good enough to just be a professional basketball player. I needed to be the best professional basketball player. And, of course, things happened through my life where basketball was no, no longer uh, the goal. Track and field began that goal, you know, to be the best in track and field in my particular events. And um, this quarantine hits, and, you know, I can only work out for so many hours in the day. I can't work out for all throughout the day. It's just like, what's the point? And also, you know, working out, my the, the access to gyms are limited. You can't really go outside without a mask. A lot of things are inhibiting me from working out. It's stopping me from working out. So I'm just like, okay, where's the rest of my day? Mm. And I find myself stuck watching TV, stuck watching, you know, Netflix, Hulu, all, all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is all what you watching right now. What you watching right now? I'm not watching anything, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'm really not watching anything. But what I was watching, I found myself watching like, you know, what they did have on Netflix at the time. What did they have on Netflix at the time? Uh, just random, random stuff. You know what I'm saying? Black Lightning, Black Lightning Luke Cage, all this, all that stuff. Yeah. In the midst of this pandemic, I'm watching all this TV and I'm just saying to myself, man, this is terrible. There has to be something different. 
everything's the same. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, during this pandemic, other things starts to arise, social injustices, you know, brutality against people of color and just all this stuff that's starting to like boil and like we're all like consumed with it everywhere you turn, whether it's on the television or in your cell phone, you see it, it's like always there. And so I was just like ignore. I was annoyed by the fact that, you know, my people is getting discriminated against and all this, all this stuff that's happening against people of color. And then we're stuck in the house. So I let, I, I decided to turn off the TV, turn off my uh, phone, close the computer. And I was left with my imagination mm-hmm. and my imagination. I would come up with like these TV shows of my own. Like I would create like random TV shows and it took me like a week or so and I'm like man this shit is good you know what I'm saying my imagination is keeping me occupied and I'm just telling to myself man this shit is good man you need to write this out so I began to write and now I always knew I was creative but I was always creative in the sense of my athletics I would always create my own workouts I would always create like different ways to uh, get better in whatever I was doing like just you know ingenuity and um, I never thought my, my creativity was going to shift over into writing, you know. And I start to write out these concepts about, like, different things about, you know, people of color, people, like, little, little snippets of me, you know what I'm saying? Little pieces of myself. I begin to write storylines because I experienced so much in my life. Um, I, I began to write little storylines of my experiences. And um, it just led to a whole different realm of my life of creativity and potentially a career into writing you know novels writing movies writing television uh, television series and all of that hey shout out to you for using your creative your other creative abilities and talents and taking this time to get to know shoot yourself more because that's what it sounds like he was like look i'm not about to because a lot of times we watch tv it's just we just passing time, right? Mm-hmm. So you was like, I'm not about to pass time. Let me get to know what I can do more. And sounds like we got an author on our hands. So you, like you didn't tell us if you created something, what you created. Oh yeah. So um, right now, I I do have a book that is currently uh, wrapping up. Next month it will be released. It's called The Guardians of Arisha. And um, what I wanted to do with this project, I wanted to highlight the misrepresentation of black women or just women of color. And I wanted to show them in a different light. Um, I was watching this one interview. It was with uh, Godfrey. He's a uh, he's an actor, writer, producer, all the you know, all of that. And he he said something very interesting that stood out to me. And it was just how, you know, women are being perceived, different women being perceived differently in in social media and media in general. And he had said that, you know, white women, you'll see white women with like an S on their chest, throwing around 200 pound men, like full grown men and just leaping buildings in a single bound, you know, superwoman, you know, and you hardly ever see a black woman in that light. And I began to think, I was like, wow, that's like, how many black super heroes do you have you know one and then how many black superhero women do you have um and i was just like man that's so profound but yet so true because the only representation i see is you know and not no not to them you know get it how you live 
But, you know, the only representation I see is the women in Love and Hip Hop or the Cardi B's, Megan Thee Stallions. You know, I'm like, there has to be something different. And um, I know from my own experience growing up, you know, uh, representation is very important. Uh, I was telling Myra this the other day how for a very long time, I always wanted to be like this blonde, uh, blue-eyed, you know, uh, Power Ranger, you know, because I, I used to love watching Power Rangers and I was obsessed with, you know, Tommy from Power Rangers. So I always wanted to have this ponytail and blue eyes, you know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to be this superhero and um, really not accepting who I was, you know, as a chocolate black man, you know what I'm saying? I always wanted to be something other than what I was. And I can only imagine what women, if I go through it, I can only imagine what women go through it because they constantly see this misrepresentation. So I decided to make a book that highlighted African, our ancient African ancestry, um, mm-hmm. each African-American culture. And um, it's pretty much a story about these three extraordinary women, you know, bonded through ancient African ancestry and they have no relations, they don't know each other, but they're bonded through these powers and they have to save the day. And they go through their own, uh, their own trials and tribulations individually, um, you know, in their own lives. And, but at the end of the day, they're all so much the same. And they have to join, join together and defeat this, this evil that's plagued their earth. And it highlights, again, African culture, highlights African mythology, it highlights African-American culture, and it happen, It highlights all that happens in America with black folks. So it's, okay. a good, it's, a short, it's a short read, it's not too long, but it's, it's definitely for sure gonna keep you, you know, on the edge of your seat. Well, we most definitely be looking forward to that. I think that when I was hearing you talk about like how, you know, black women when especially when it comes to like superheroes um, and you know, like supernatural beings in like shows and books were you know commonly not uh, put in those, but yet in the real world we're supposed we're these things you know we're super we're our, we're we're black super women we have to be strong we have to do everything we have to have kids with no no help we have to do all these things but yet it's not being portrayed like you saying. Uh, in media, on the mainstream, but yet that is the assumption that black women are like, you know, super, super women or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's most definitely an interesting out of outlook. And so I'm excited to read that. Um, but let me stop rambling. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Isaac, what has been your views on black women, especially as a child? Um, and then how have they changed as you become an adult? All right. So like I mentioned before, you know, uh, I was going through my own identity crisis, you know what I'm saying? Of what I thought I looked like and what I, what, how the world viewed me, you know what I'm saying? And if they accepted me. So in turn, like I only had that same view for black women as well. Like, my my form of acceptance came in, you know, white, blue-eyed, pony, you know, uh, blonde-haired white girl that looked like Mary Kay Nashley because that's what I was that's what I was viewing as a kid. So, like, I only accepted that for a long time. Like, I was just like, man, yeah, white girl this, white girl that. Um, Wait, sorry, where'd you see that at, Isaac? When you talk about 
this, like you said, that's all you were seeing. Where were you seeing that? In the media, like TV, the TV shows that I would watch. You know what I'm saying? I would watch the Mary Kate and Ashley's, the Lizzie McGuire's, you know. And it wasn't until like Raven Simone came out with, you know, That's So Raven, where I was just like, okay, like a cute black girl. But even then, it was like the light skinned cute black girl. And they didn't right. have a representation of a dark skinned black girl or dark skinned men of that matter. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of what I seen and what I learned, you know, came from television. So my whole reality was, you know, this is what reality is and this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what's good. This is what's not good. And I didn't bother to even pay attention to people that look like me. You know what I'm saying? That that was like right there in my face. You know what I'm saying? I only paid attention to what I saw on television. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's, my views start to sh- uh, shift once I did receive like the Raven Simones, you know what I'm saying? And then I was just like, okay, that's cool. And then we went on to the one-on-ones, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a big TV type person. So excuse me for using all these TV television show references, but they really shaped my identity and my thoughts. Yeah. And, yeah. Sorry to get into your business a little bit more, but I'm just interested, right? What, what was, what do you, if you could give like a concrete, if you don't, if you remember of views that you had as a child of black women or even just black, black girls, right? Cause you was a child. What are some common thoughts or common views you had when you was a child? As a child, outside of my mom and the women in my family, like, again, I really, I really didn't pay attention that much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't care for it. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, it wasn't. Oh, it was, I didn't look at it as, oh, black women are less than, but I didn't pay attention to it. So essentially, I guess you can say, like, in a roundabout way, if I didn't pay attention to it as much, then it was less than. Yeah, so when I, when I uh, got into college, I started to read a little bit more, understanding, taking classes that, you know, uh, highlighted, you know, the black experience, you know, because I couldn't quite put an answer to all the questions that I had. So I had to seek more knowledge to understand, okay, this is what my people go through. This is what we've been through. And um, long story short, you know, from college up until now, like I vowed to myself that I need to rewrite the narrative, at least for myself, you know what I'm saying? Because there's this, this perpetual narrative that says black people are like this, black men are like this, fear them, they're, they're evil, they're, they're thugs, they're thieves, you know, all of this. Black women are loud, ignorant, they are aggressive, all of this. I had to rewrite that, that narrative for myself because for a long time, that's what was, you know, shown to me, you know. And then on top of that, like with rewriting this narrative, I'm sharing like stories about my own experience to other people and putting it into like a creative art format. Nice. So how would you say your views of black women impact your current life? Well, first and foremost, man, shoot. Black women are extremely powerful. And I highlight that in in this book that is coming out next month in the guard it's called The Guardians of Arisha. And um I'm highlighting the unknown power that black women have that they need to remember that they do carry, you know what I'm saying? That we all carry, 
because we forget that we are powerful beings and we don't realize how powerful powerful we are until you know something happens you know what i'm saying and we need to hold on to that power so you know my whole perspective on black change it's not just black women it's the whole black culture change uh throughout time does that make sense yeah um so i'm curious we talked about you being an athlete in the beginning but we kind of you know started talking about other things being that you are a competitive athlete competing at the pro level how important is the mental aspect in your career and what are some ways you maintain um I would say the mental aspect is just as important, if not more important than the physical aspect. So really um, understanding yourself is a, is a major part in the sport that I do. Um, track and field is a very difficult sport. It's not just running and it's not just jumping. You really have to be mentally strong to be able to compete at this level. So some things that I do is just constantly reflect. Um, self-reflection is very important. Reflecting over uh, track meets, excuse me, reflecting over my time at the track meets, what I did wrong and the different positioning. So I, I really do a lot of self-reflection. Okay. Is there any, because um, I know we had Kim last week, and I'm wondering, is there any self-talk that you do and if there's like a go-to statement that you like? Tell yourself. On the track and off the track, like positive statements. I mean, I come up with po positive statements all the time that reassure me about what I'm doing and my purpose. I couldn't really give you just one because my, my brain just rattles off a lot. So um, I would have to think, think really hard to just give you one. Sheesh. Yeah. Okay. So, Donika, did you have any questions? Um, no, I think that, um, I think I'm excited for the book. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am, I'm excited for the book. It kind of makes me think about, um, what's the book called? The Children of Blood. Yeah, that's what it made me think about. And I think it's just because I heard the, the term Mauritius, uh, or if I'm pronouncing it right. But um yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm 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 for sure I think I had when you had said sometimes we forget that we are powerful until something happens, I, that 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 hit me. Uh, <laughs> because I think that is like super real. Um, so no, I'm just, I'm just excited and I appreciate you being comfortable to, you know, be a black man on black women's healing high. Cause I think a lot of times black men, um, are people who are not black women in general who don't identify as black women feel like they can't listen to black women healing pod. So I think it's really cool that you, you've chosen, you've agreed to come on and share your experience. And I'm hoping that it opens up our audience even more. Uh, to like we all are healing um we all are healing we are we all should be helping black women heal mm -hmm. um and so i feel like that is what this episode is just showing yeah for sure um usually before we end our podcast we like to ask if you have any takeaways whether it be a book a quote something you just want to share any takeaways um 
I'm gonna have a lot of editing to do on this episode because of him. Me, go ahead. Edit that. I know. Go ahead. Um, one thing I would say uh, to take away is, you know, I there is one quote. Wow, there's one quote that I just came up with. Um, it was about, you know, excuse me. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> now you gotta repeat that all over. There is one quote I can. There, there is one quote that I I do want people to take away with. Uh, oh my God, I can't talk today. I'm so sorry. It's called that cotton mouth. Yeah. Keeping <laughs> all this. There's one quote that I go by, and it's um, your imagination is precious, so protect it. Your creativity is a gift, so treasure it, and always be yourself. And follow your dreams. And where was that born from? That sounds really <laughs> you know, good. That's, that's mine. You know what I'm saying? I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can follow me on. I can did, you say it one more time? My bad. I'm sorry. Say, huh? Can you say it one more time? Or that's something you just literally came off the dome with? Yeah, so it goes like this. You want to write it down? She's yeah. right up. Oh, okay, for sure. Your imagination is precious, so protect it. Your creativity is a gift, so treasure it. Always be yourself. Live your dream and become it. And how did she come up with that? You want the real answer? No, Isaac, forget it. God, we want the, the real deal. Your Wi-Fi is glitching. Are you still there? Yeah, y'all can't hear me? Oh, you're just in slow motion, but it's okay. Oh, no. Well, Isaac, where'd you come up with this quote? Uh, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can say, like, it just, you can say whatever. It doesn't okay, matter. It's Myra, still but, Myra up here, like, judging me and shit. Let me right, see. Myra. <laughs> <laughs> so you just not gonna say it? He was high. Yeah, I was high. Um... <laughs> I definitely, I definitely use marijuana as a form of therapy. <laughs> We're cutting this out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not about to play with y'all. <laughs> so I'm curious. We didn't really touch on, um, we didn't dive too deep into mental health. I kind of want to dive into mental health a little bit further. Has there ever been, like, have you had any experiences as far as, like, with anxiety, depression, like, tied to your performance at all, like, on the track? And how did you like cope without off of the track? If you did have any like mental health stuff that came up? Uh, yeah, so I had multiple different experiences uh, involving my mental health. Uh, one being when I was a, well, this isn't track related. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, had a tr I had trouble trying to discover my masculinity. I'm trying to navigate my masculinity. Masculinity that's still part of mental health, correct? Or yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, be, growing up, you know, being visually impaired, um, I grew up realizing that you know, there's going to be certain things that I'm not going to be able to do, and I had to understand that. One thing that was heavily equated to my masculinity, masculinity was being able to drive. And um, I remember just growing up watching my older cousin. I used to, like, watch him for an example of what a man should be or 
you know, how cool a man is supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? Just like that, that male role model. And my older cousin, he had everything. He had the, the nice car, the nice system, all of that. And I just imagine, okay, that's what a man is supposed to be. Like the man behind the wheel, the man in charge. And um, when I turned 15, I knew that my opportunity or, you know, uh, me being able to drive was slim to none because, again, I'm legally blind. So it kind of like hit me in a different sense, like, man, how am I ever going to discover my manhood? However, how am I ever going to be a man? You know, I, I want to be able to just get in the car, drive, pick up my girlfriend, go get some ice cream or something. Just having that sense of independence. You know, I knew I wasn't going to have that. And then as I grew older, I start to form my own sense of masculinity. And it wasn't necessarily the man behind the wheel or the man in charge. It was more so how I viewed myself and um, how other perceived the things I did instead of the things I can do. You know what I'm saying? So um, it just took me some time to really understand that part of my life because I knew that, you know, I am going to have, I'm going to be faced with challenges that, you know, quote unquote, normal people aren't going to be faced with, but I have to go about it a certain way, you know, to ensure that, you know, I do it safely for one. I'm not putting myself at risk or putting anybody else at risk. So, you know, just growing up in, you know, understanding that maturity piece was very important for me in uh, discovering my masculinity. But as far as the track, you want me to answer that too? Or like give you an example for that? Or is that Yeah, cool? you can answer. Uh, Track-wise, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's the most difficult sport that you can probably play or be part of mentally because you're, you're really competing against yourself. And you're holding a certain expectation of what you want to do, not necessarily about the people next to you, because you can race people next to you, but still come in first, but still lose because it's going off of a certain time or distance. That's how track works. So um, even though you quote unquote win, you still can lose in the sport. So um, the last three years has probably been the toughest three years of my life. Um, in this sport, trying to navigate being in a new situation with professional athletes, people that, you know, I grew up watching and now I'm literally next to them, training with them. So I began to try to shape myself through their accomplishments, you know, being accomplishment oriented. You know, I was holding myself to what they already accomplished. I mean, it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing because it's it's like a sense of like, motivation, ambition, but at the same time, I, I begin to lose my sense of self. Like, I start to do shit that <laughs> I don't normally do, trying to fit in, like, literally taking pieces of who I am and just giving them away because I'm trying to do things that I don't normally do. Mm. And um, it took me some time to really understand that, you know, how I was living was really the, the environment that I was in was bad for me. So I had to really step out of myself, do a lot of self-reflection because I know, I know the old Isaac would never accept what was going on the last three years, you know? So I had to really, you know, accept what I was in at that time, point in time, like the emotional state that I was in and really allow myself to understand what was going on within me and without me, you know what I'm saying? So 
again, uh, I do a lot of self-reflection. And I feel like that is the, the main thing that helps my mental health. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, how do you set yourself up for mental, for your reflections? Like, is it something you tell yourself you're going to do every day? Is it something where you get to a certain point, you do it? Like, how does it work? It just happens for me. Like, I'm a thinker. So every day, every second of the day, I'm like constantly in my head. And I don't know why I try to get out of my head because I, I often think too much. Um, but it just happens for me. You know what I'm saying? I can't really say, oh, these are the steps, but it just happens. Okay. Donnie, can I? Well, I just want to say it sounds like it sounds like how you get out of your head is weirdly to self-reflect. <laughs> it sounds like self-reflection is a big thing for you, which, um, which I think is beautiful. I think that's really the only how you really figure out who yourself, who you are and who you want to be. And it's really self-reflecting. Most definitely. So we like to have takeaways for our audience. Is there any takeaway? Um, your imagination is precious, so protect it. Your creativity is a gift, so treasure it. Become your dream and live within your reality. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Black Women Healing Pod. Um, we're going to go ahead and dive into... Um, are things we want to share this week. Donique, do you have anything you want to share with the people? If you're there. Um, huh? My allergies are messing up. I don't know. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Uh, I guess <laughs> I, I haven't really... Uh, well, no, one book that I did read that... Uh, that I've been wanting to read because I'm in this financial book club, y'all. Um, so basically it's called the millionaire next door. And it just basically talks about how, um, you know, a lot of the people, people who you see who you would think are millionaires or have more money than even millionaires. Um, they may not look the part because, you know, they don't spend their money on like clothing or cars, but more so investments and, and that type of thing. So that book is pretty cool. But um, I actually been on a, a binge uh, or I've been taking a break from binging on Amazon because I stay buying books. When people start talking about books, I be buying it while they talking about it. <laughs> and so I'm trying to save money. So one of the things I've been doing is not getting on Amazon and then also trying to not order food. Like So Uber Eats was becoming a best friend of mine. Um, all those types of food places that deliver and, you know, I'm trying to preserve my coins. So that's some stuff. That's, that's, that's just me self-reflecting y'all pretty much. I'd be bored. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be bored. (laughs) But, uh, Myra, what about you? What are your reflections from today's episode? Um, my reflections from today. I don't know. I guess my reflection is just to take more time to reflect. I'm always talking about how I need to do it, but I don't know that I take the time to do it um, as often because I notice I usually reflect when I'm like over everything. So I think doing it more often is important. Um, And what I wanted to share this week is a Black-owned juice company in LA. Their juices look so good, y'all. If you go on Instagram, it's juicebay.la. And I discovered it from, remember when we had that guest on Ancient Artery, our Shamaya is y'all, uh, is y'all. Yes, I love her. 
yeah so she shouted out juice bay la and i was like what is this and i checked it out it's owned by a black woman um and their juices look dope and they're in a few different spots around la so if you just check them out on their instagram you can find the different locations where um they're housed at so yeah and the juices don't look nasty they actually look good so are they supposed to be cleansed cleansing or detox or just juices they're just cold pressed juices I'm assuming like most juice companies, they probably have like a line for detoxing. I don't really know about that piece, but I know um, it's fresh pressed juice. I'm trying to see what they be having. They have like a ginger and tamarind one. They have one called Mighty Matt. Um, they all so freaking good. I had to try them out. Yeah, and if you're in San Diego, I already shouted out Deep Rooted, but that's one of my favorite. Um, fresh pressed juices that I like to order from. And they deliver, I mean, they ship too, right? Deep rooted. Deep rooted ships. And they actually just extended their shelf life. So at first when I was ordering deep rooted, you had to drink it within four days, but now they, um, their juices last up to a month. So yeah, I would definitely check them out. And then they always do like different like discounts and stuff like that. Um, I actually just had one this morning. They hosted like a little yoga event and it was so good. So. Oh. Get out, y'all. Oh, I want to spend money so bad. <laughs> you said you don't want to spend. I do. I want to. I want to buy that, but I can't because I'm trying to just buy one and I... see if you like it, and then next month buy another one. See if you like the new one. Nope, I ain't doing it. Um, <laughs> but y'all should most definitely do it and let me know, and hopefully, you know, when I get my budget together, I can go ahead and join y'all with. Some of these Juice Bay, LA, are deep rooted. <laughs> so, y'all, I want to do a giveaway. Um, yeah. So, the giveaway is in order to enter, you have to like our posts regarding this episode dropping. So, that's step one like the post. And two, you just got to comment on SoundCloud and say, I heard the episode. That's it. And we will mail you something. We'll get in contact with you somehow, some way. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess... I guess they should DM us on Instagram. Yeah, DM us on Instagram so that way we can figure out where we want to ship the stuff to you. Yeah, and you can comment on whatever platform you're listening on, right? So if they like... Um, oh, yeah, true. Yeah, so I'm comment on... Can comment on podcasts, though, can you? Huh? On Spotify, can you comment on podcasts? I don't think so. I don't think you can either. Nah. I think you can only comment on Apple Podcasts and on um, SoundCloud. That's it. So comment on those. Either one of those. So like the posts regarding the episode. Comment on whatever platform you listen on that allows you to comment and DM us. And we want to mail you some free stuff. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. Again, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and thank you for tuning in.